1: I'm Oprah Winfrey. Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time, taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. So I want the world to know that when I am in my own personal crisis or when I feel like I am questioning whatever is going on in my life. You are one of the first people I call. And uh, particularly now that Maya is gone, you have been such a a solace and a balm for me in in difficult times. And I'm wondering, Pastor Bishop T.D. Jakes, what's giving you strength in this moment?
2: You know, uh, I have a resilient faith in in God and in humanity, and uh, that has kind of steered my compass through tough days and tough times. And then I realized that everything comes as a schoolmaster to teach a lesson. And And I wanted to that's what I
1: believe too. Isn't all life experience here to show us who we are?
2: Absolutely, absolutely, and to bring correction Correction and redirection. And I think this has been uh, COVID should have been Correction 19 because it's brought a lot of correction to our values and to our sociological understanding of ourselves collectively and and individually.
1: What do you mean by sociological understanding of ourselves?
2: Well, uh, I think that we have become too tribal. Uh, we had divided into too many segments, millennials, boomers, blacks, whites, browns, democrats, republicans, uh, us and them globally, not just nationally, but globally. And, and I think this uh, disease that attacked without discrimination made us rethink what is humanity. Uh, I think that's part of it. I think that America needs to rethink how much of our resources we have farmed out overseas. Uh, that we we found ourselves needing things that we could have manufactured but have gotten away from manufacturing. Mm -hmm. I I think that we also have to rethink how we value ordinary workers, delivering Uh, people. Yes, that's that's what I thought you meant by the
1: sociological because I think for the first time, people who were before invisible they were the invisible Mm. men and women to a lot of of, of people in in, in our country and other countries have now become, have the title of essential.
2: Yes, yes, but here's my concern. I watched after 9-11, we talked about the police officers and the firemen and they were our heroes and we made a big fuss and sang songs and cried and lit candles and all that, but we didn't (laughs) pay them anymore. And they still couldn't afford to live in the cities they protect. And so when we get through singing Kumbaya, I'm wondering what we're going to do about minimum wage and what we're going to do about their families and making it possible for the people who protect us in these big cities to be able to afford to live in the city they serve in.
1: I mean, in all the people and conversations I've had, I tell you the one thing that people certainly do understand and have a greater respect for teachers and think that they should be paid whatever they want. <laughs> yes, because they have to teach their own kids. <laughs> because they're teaching their own kids. Do you think our lives have been permanently altered and that we will take that alteration and be more united as Tim Shriver is trying to do here today. Uh, Do you think that that has occurred to enough people to have a shift in consciousness?
2: For a while. For a while. Yeah, uh, we get amnesia quite quickly. And uh, it's amazing when we're frightened how we come down to what matters most, but how quickly we deviate from it once we feel safe and secure again. And uh, I know that sounds negative and pessimistic, but, but I think for a while- but you've had too fall, many
1: sermons and seen too many funerals and too you've yeah. seen too much, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it all before. And, uh, but every now and then we get a, a booster shot that kind of reminds us to humble yourself a little bit and, and not to think so highly of yourself and not to always evaluate your worth by your net worth. There's, there's so many lessons to be learned here.
1: I know. I mean, if we just open our eyes, we can see them. As we endure this crisis, you wrote this on Instagram last week, be sure to lead by faith and show people that it's possible, you said, to be joyful no matter the condition. Where are you finding joy right now?
2: You know, it's a, I, I have not spent this much time at home in years, okay, with just my wife and I in the house and nobody else. And so that has given me an opportunity to appreciate simplicity. Uh, Sometimes we're so driven by our responsibilities that we get away from simplicity. Uh, That's one of the things I learned from you. Uh, You know, you and walking through the gardens. Oh, yeah. Yeah. get your fruit and yeah. smelling your trees. I could love a
1: blade of grass now. I can find <laughs> yeah. one blade and be happy. I can love a blade of grass,
2: yes. Yeah, it's, 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 you've been so inspirational. You started out talking about me, but you are, you've also been very inspirational because I've got to see you behind the scenes and see what a quality human being you are. And I think that this creates an opportunity where we start to appreciate each other and say it to each other. The things that that gave us comfort during this time cost no money at all. A kind word, a quick text, you know, a a moment of FaceTime, checking on an elderly person left alone. checking on successful people, because it didn't matter whether, how successful you were. This was still devastating, you know. And uh, you still needed a little love, a little Hershey kiss, you know. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> you know, you suspended those incredible in-person services at the Potter's House in Dallas, and you say, this is a great time for us all to be able to reinstill our core values and for families to reconcile and also reconnect. I mean, just like... You and the First Lady, uh, Sarita, have been, been able to spend this time together. So many families haven't, and for a lot of people, that that ain't so sweet.
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. That, that is true. It will either work for you or against you. One of the things that I thought about the church part of it was, you know, when, when the teacher talks all through the classes, but when the test comes, she's always quiet. And this was a testing moment, and it was a time that we weren't able to draw from our traditional types of worship services because the test was in session. How much have we really learned? How much have we really grown? And even to those families who are locked alone and they are combative, they will either find a way to work their way toward wholeness or toward a decision that says we're better apart than we are together. Uh, Not every story has a happy ending.
1: You know, you wrote me something for Good Friday. You sent me a wonderful text. And I I so appreciated this text text you sent. And the thing that moved me most was you were talking about Jesus on the cross. And you said there's an elegance even in agony in agony that ultimately rewards selfless sacrifice. And I learned that eventually truth and mercy will always dedicate those who have endured the hardships of life. And it embeds in us the blessed hope of God's mercy. That's amazing. You say, we will emerge in spite of our own depravity. This window of escape is always inbred in our belief, indelibly impressed in our inner convictions, and ultimately screams triumphantly, free at last. Thank God, almighty, I'm free at last. I mean, that's just a text, y'all. That's just a text every day. (laughs) No, this is what I love the most. You said, as Christians, we reminisce uh, uh, Christ's anguish. Let us not fail to notice that even in his despair, this was my favorite line, there lies a message. Not just the seven last words, I actually, you say, get the strongest message in his suffering moments of silence in between the sayings. I dropped my yeah. phone when I read that.
2: <laughs> well, I, you know.
1: How I'm incredible. Really, it's not the, the, the moments of anguish, but it's the suffering in silence. And you say it takes great strength to hang in there even when everything in us wants to get away.
2: Yeah. And that's where we are. I mean, everything in us, I want to go outside. I went out in my car and sat in the driveway and played music and fell asleep in the car and act like I had gone somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> do what
1: you got to so, do, Bishop.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We, we all want to go somewhere. But it, it amazed me that the time in which we celebrate the resurrection of Christ and the Jews celebrate the Passover and the now the Muslims of Rosh Hashanah. Ramadan, this, yeah. This, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This cataclysmic moment where COVID-19 came in there and brought suffering as a Christian right to the forefront. As the epitome of the Christian message is a man writhing in pain on a cross. So God has never hidden from us that suffering is a part of the journey. It's the dignity that we bring to the suffering that determines the outcome thereof. Mm.
1: So here's a moment that we all get to step into dignity in a different way.
2: Yes, yes, yes. There is is a dignity uh, to suffering. There is a dignity. When you think of... uh, If you remember Coretta Scott's face during the funeral of Dr. Martin Luther King. I
1: have that cover of Ebony. I still have have that cover. Do you have that? Yeah. Yeah, There was a
2: dignity, obviously an incalculable amount of suffering, but there was still a dignity that she would not forfeit in the face of her pain. And that is what America must remember. In the face of our pain, we must not forfeit our dignity and reduce ourselves to our lowest common denominator and become cannibalistic. I read this article, I wanna share this with you. I read this article, you would love this. I almost called you about it. In in the New York Post, it said that the rats had started becoming cannibalistic because of the lack of food that they live off of the trash from the restaurants and they had started Mm -hmm. devouring themselves. And, And as gross as that image is, it brought to my mind that up under pressure, when we get hungry, if we're not careful, we too become cannibalistic and start devouring each other and become cynical and hateful. It's a choice you have to make. Either you start devouring other people and saying hateful things to and about them, or you start uplifting people. And, and that's what I mean about bringing dignity to the suffering. There's, there's certain places we don't go just because we're in pain. We don't give ourselves permission to become cannibalistic.
0: Mm. Mm. did you know that it's asian american and pacific islander heritage month macy's is highlighting some really cool aapi owned brands right now like Cardon, kaja amelia george and hey Meave. plus you can help to support college access and student success when you donate online or roundup in store to apia scholars apia is the nation's leading nonprofit organization devoted to the academic, personal, and professional success of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander students. Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander-owned brands at macys.com or in-store. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to the wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story now they are the story in npr's black stories black truths you'll find a collection of some of npr's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience stories should never be about us without us listen now to black stories black truths from npr wherever you get podcasts
1: so here's the moment you think it is by divine design
2: I'm not sure. I'm careful about saying what God did. I certainly recognize that if it happened, he had to allow it.
1: Because a lot of people are saying what kind of God would allow this
2: yeah but but you, you you have to understand that if you intervene on the, on the bad things you have to intervene on the good things uh the life is what it is and and he allows sunshine and rain pleasure and pain. the dichotomy makes the other that much more opulent the if we didn't have uh, valleys we wouldn't have hills and so mm-hmm. so we have to bear that intention. I have been inundated with the cause of suffering people who could not see their loved ones or say goodbye to them as they left the world. Animated funerals uh, synthesized through technology, uh, couldn't come in the room, couldn't get to the loved ones, couldn't travel in the air, couldn't go to their mother's funeral, couldn't go to, the, to their father's funeral. It's been, It's the trauma, the fallout from this. It's going to be intense. We're going to have to take better care of each other even after this, because the emotional, mental, psychological pressure that will result and have a riveting effect for years has to be taken into consideration when we evaluate what people do going forward.
1: Mm. You know, I recently interviewed a nurse, Adara, on the front lines in New York, who admitted that she is afraid every day, but that she works at channeling her fear into Courage. I was so moved by that nurse who said she was reusing her, you know, in uh, mm-hmm. 95 over and over, but every day wakes up with this, you know, anxiety and tries to use that and move it, move it into something bigger. What would you like to say to us about fear right now?
2: I think that we all must feel the fear without letting it get the, the stirring wheel of the car. Uh, to deny its existence. You understand? To deny its existence is to deny humanity. Uh, Fear is is sometimes a gift to us because it, it warns us when we're in danger. It keeps us from the edge of the cliff. But when it starts driving the car, it can be very destructive. So feel the fear, but never give up the wheel make your own decisions, make your own choices, and never let your emotions drive your car.
1: Yeah, I heard where you said, let faith drive the wheel, even Mm. if fear is in the back seat.
2: That's right, that's right. I (laughs) love that, I love that. That's absolutely right.
1: The Potter's House conducts around 400 funerals a year. When I read that, I was like, how is that possible? There's only 365 days in a year. So you are very familiar with grief.
2: Yes. And now that
1: people are grieving the loss of their family members, lack of closure and all of that in a way that we've never experienced before, what do you want to say to those folks?
2: To be honest with you, uh, I woke up uh, a couple of weeks ago and I was crying and I couldn't quit. Mm. It took me about two or three hours to stop crying because I felt so bad for so many people. Maybe I'd taken one call too many or listened at one child scream too loud or one daughter crying over not being able to touch her mother, but I grieve for all of those bodies and all of those trailers and stacked up in a way that I thought I would never see in my lifetime. I recognize some toll of the weight of that pain on those families and on those people, and uh, I, I would remind them as atrocious a sight as that is to to see or to behold that we have seen it before and yet survive. If, if the Jews survived the Holocaust, if we survived slavery, if there's people, uh, Native Americans, have survived atrocities, history teaches us. So just 100 years ago, we went through something like this before, uh, before that, the bubonic plague that we are resilient and that we will work our way out of it, but we will only work our way out of it as we hold each other and love each other and nurse each other's wounds and, and be extra special good to each other, at least for a while until until the scab begins to build and the healing begins to start and the hearts of men are mended. Funerals in our culture are a big thing. For black people, sometimes it's the only time you get to be important. I agree for all of those people who never got to be memorialized. Their families never got to have closure. I, I, I feel for them. And that is... I don't run from that kind of pain, Oprah. I run into that kind of pain because it is that kind of pain that makes us human, that stops us from being robotical, that stops us from being maniacal in our decisions about situations. I'm scared of people with power who have no compassion.
1: Yeah, that is worthy of being afraid. People with power who have no compassion, which means and and have no empathy and have no no feelings for what's actually happening.
2: Yeah. That's right. That's right. Too much power given without the balance of compassion and sensitivity creates some of the atrocities of our history. And we have to be careful not to just evaluate people by popularity or by intellectualism, but also leave room to do the metrics of compassion. Because if compassion is not an element in the discussion, then you're not sure that what you have submitted yourself to is even human.
1: Mm. Well, you know, as I was speaking to Eckhart earlier, about the present moment and being still, I keep reminding myself that in this moment, even though I'm 66, had a pre-existing condition of pneumonia last year, that in this moment I am well. And a sermon that you preached, gonna make my eyes water, you know what it is. You know what it is, a sermon you preached in 2013, that Saving the Scraps sermon about the five loaves and fishes, about the disciples being on the boat and not and then when the winds and the and the rain came they were all yeah. shaken and had forgotten that yeah. just earlier in the day Jesus mm-hmm. had performed these miracles and I am reminded of that sermon and and I continue to remind myself that I was on a tour just yeah. prior to this hugging and yes. taking pictures thousands of pictures every day and I am well and yeah that I continue to be well and that everybody who was with us continues to be well. So I'm reminded of that to yes. to keep myself from moving into the oh my God, what if, what if, what if, you know?
2: <laughs> well, you know what's funny about that is I didn't even know they were talking about us when they were talking about elderly people. Well, they. Be- <laughs> I didn't I didn't I was praying for the elderly people you know and I said oh they're gonna have to be real careful and then they said 60 and over and I grabbed my chest and I thought oh god they are talking about, about us <laughs> <laughs> I, did. I don't I didn't think of myself that way and I didn't uh, I didn't I
1: either d- this is the first time didn't. I ever have <laughs> the first time i ever had where that number that six number actually meant something to me yeah but yeah. you you recently said uh, for for me one one of the things that gets me through it too is that sermon you preached on saving the scraps which I think Ooh. you can go to the to your app and you can pull up that sermon.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: It's my favorite sermon ever. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But,
2: or they but- can go to our YouTube channel now. We've got almost everything on our YouTube channel, and it's accessible to anyone. Because people have trouble, and it's not always schedulable like a Sunday at eleven o'clock, you know, sometimes right. at two o'clock in the morning on, on a Tuesday morning and you need to hear something that fits your time frame so the YouTube channel makes it accessible to fit whenever you need it.
1: Okay. Anybody who's gonna go to YouTube get that saving the scraps. I'm telling you it's gotten me through uh, so much. And also the Bible verse in God I move and breathe and have my being. I can mm-hmm. just say that to myself and calm myself In God, I move and breathe and have my being. I remember when I had pneumonia and I was getting the MRIs and the CAT scans. I was just like, in God, I move and breathe and have my being. Is there a Bible verse or a mantra or words that you, I mean, you you have the whole Bible, okay?
2: My favorite is Psalms 27, and it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, of whom shall I fear? He is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. The host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, just one thing, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Oh. Isn't that nice?
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Thomas' presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom
2: Oh, the paradox of the bagel Tis crunchy yet soft Tis filling yet has a hole Tis a vehicle for spreads But only travels from toaster to plate Thomas's Huzzah! A toast to breakfast
1: Life is a highway And on it there will be many chicken sandwiches But there's only one Crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal If you know about this juicy
0: gem
2: Of a detour
1: You also, in that text to me on Good Friday, said that there were four lessons that you thought we would gain here, that there is a silver that lines the darkest cloud. Mm -hmm. You believe Mm -hmm. there is that here too?
2: Oh, yes. Oh, absolutely. A lot of good things are happening. In the midst of the bad things, a lot of good things are happening. America's rethinking itself. It's reshaping itself. It's, It's honoring people that it ignored. It's it's hearing people that we were once deaf to. We're looking at the disparities that exist in African American and the Latino community with an honesty without saying you're race baiting, without uh, putting some sort of colloquialism to it. We we've lost our deafness in this moment, and we can hear. You this can see it, and it's
1: undeniable. You can see it, and it's undeniable. I was so struck by the story of the African American son who lost his father and his grandfather in the same week, and his father had gone to three different hospitals trying to be admitted, telling them that he had the disease, and they would not admit him. I mean, so there it is
2: in your face. Yeah, it's there. It's there in the processing of the uh, PPP uh, from the CARES Act, trying to get finances from the bank. It's there in trying to get in the hospital. It is there. It is a reality that we are easily overlooked, but I'm so glad that we're talking about it, that we're looking into how to correct it, that it is in a a narrative right before an election, which means every politician has an obligation, if they're going to be electable, to hear the screaming cries of the ordinary people. That's so important. It's timing is everything.
1: Yes. And you said purpose will always
2: out-wrestle pain. Will it? Mm. Always has. Always will. Always has. All through history. Always will. Purpose will always out-wrestle pain. Wrestle it down to the floor and start the count. But before the count is over, purpose will always rise undaunted. It always has. It justifies the pain. It always mm-hmm. justifies the pain, that there was, there, there was some purpose, some higher meaning. I, I don't like pain, but the thing that I do like about pain is that it always leaves a gift behind. In my book, Crushing, I talked about how pain always leaves a gift, look for it. Uh, it'll be a, a morsel of wisdom, a deeper strength, a greater tenacity a new perspective on who you are and who the world is around you. Pain always leaves a gift, even if it's left in a wheelchair, even, even yeah. if it's left in a hospital bed. Pain always leaves in it gets through every abuse or misuse. There are certain things that you and I would not be if we had not been hurt the way we had been hurt. I get it. I know you do. I, I, you get, do. I get it.
1: So you said also the survival of the future masses has always required the sacrifice of the present few
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: what did you mean yeah.
2: you know the suffering of the few is what what ended slavery so that generations after it would be free Freedom always has a bill to be paid, and ultimately, the cures that we have for diseases have come through the suffering of people who who had to succumb to that disease to manufacture a cure. Nothing is free in this world. It always costs something, and what we need to do is make sure for all of those now, what, 50,000 people who are dead in this country alone, we have to make sure that they didn't die for nothing, that we learned something, that we got something, that we, that we justify their lives by discovering something that protects the next five, ten generations. That's the way life has always been and that's the way it always will be.
1: The fourth lesson you said is politics and its tempestuous sway of power are in the narrative of every pursuit to change the world.
2: You cannot get away from it. I am more convinced than ever that there has to be a four-pronged approach to uplifting our communities. Elected officials, corporate leaders, community leaders, and spiritual leaders have to engage in a conversation and sit down and lose our timidity to talk with each other even if we don't agree with each other because our unique perspectives add to the narrative and brings us closer to the solution. You cannot keep having people making decisions about us without us. Period. (laughs) Now, as as an amen, Mama, get a tambourine and 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 in church, and go to beat the tambourine. Absolutely. Say it. Say it. Say it. So ultimately, you want us to know
1: what about this time that we have been stopped in our tracks, literally, and put on hold to look at ourselves.
2: To look at ourselves as a person of faith. To look at our God. We're not as big and bossy as we thought we were. He came along and shut everybody down, brought everybody to their knees. Every country, every regime had to stop arguing about who had the biggest bombs and who could do this to this one and who could do that to that one. And and there's a scripture in the Bible that says, "Be still and know that I am God."
1: Yes, that's another thing. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. And it's like it's like he, he like a parent makes every all the kids go to their room. Go to your room. And he sent us He sent us all to our room, all over the world. Have you ever seen a time in your life that everybody all over the world got sent into time out? <laughs> That's what happened. From the priest to the pimp. Yes. They all had to go to their room.
1: Yes. Will we come out of the room and come out better on the other side? That's what I'm trying to do, is to use this time to come better on the other
2: side. I think that's an individual thing and I'm trying to do the same too. I want to hear, I want to know, I want to see, I want to understand, I want to be better coming out than I was going in and I think we will achieve that. What I hope for is that collectively as a society, we, we will have the courage to re-strategize who we are and know that we are the CEO of our future in the choices that we make and that we would choose more broadly and less selfishly.
1: Well, that is the ultimate call to unite. Thank you for being a part of this. And as we close, nobody can preach like you and nobody can pray like you. Would you offer a prayer for all of us?
2: Yes, I'd be glad to do that. Uh, But before I do that, thank you for uh, the amazing opportunity to sit and share with you, whether publicly or privately, and to glean and share each other's wisdoms. It's like coming to a family dinner and everybody brings something to it and it all goes together so well. So I've enjoyed uh, talking with you today.
1: Thank you so much. Pray for us.
2: Let's pray. Our our Father and our our God, the very fact that we bow our heads is an expression of human humility and, and the confession of the fact that there are still some problems we cannot fix. That we're not quite as smart as we thought we were, or as quick or as bright as we would like to think that we are. We bow our heads in submission that there is something beyond ourselves that we need your grace and sufficiency. I pray for those that mourn. I pray for those that can't breathe. I pray for those that suffer all over the world. I pray for those that suffered before COVID-19 ever came along, entrapped and entrenched in poverty and degradation and destruction. I pray for those of us who sit in higher places and better houses and better situations but have a poverty that is not quite as obvious to the eye the poverty, the impoverished souls of people who have lost love and compassion and peace. And whatever we stand in lack of, Lord, in all of our situations, we all are hungry for some bread. Break thou the bread of life and feed us till we want no more. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Let the church say. Thank you, Bishop. Much love, my sister. All right. Thank you so much. Love back. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy, So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
2: of a detour.
1: One, two, three, four.
2: Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.